Hey, beautiful people. Thank you for joining us today in this sacred space where we chat about holistic healing and spirituality, health journeys, and so much more. Today, I'm joined by Jen from Infused with Light. So like many of us, Jen has been on an incredible healing path, both physically and emotionally, and is now working as a spiritual healer and light worker. Hi, Jen. Thanks for joining us today. Hello. Thank you so much. I'm so proud and pleased to be on your podcast. Oh, thank you. That's lovely to hear. So I just want to let the listeners know today we're actually going to talk about something that's a little different and unique because I personally feel that it is an important area because we all actually experience this to some degree, but it's not usually spoken about openly. And this is grief. So grief is defined as an intense sorrow, especially caused by somebody's death. Now, the reason I have Jen here to speak about this is because I feel like her grief journey has actually been more intense than most, and I feel she has some great insights to share that could really help other people. So we're just going to dive straight in. So I'm just going to ask Jen to share with our listeners like a brief background story on her own grief journey. Yeah, sure. So I'll just kind of go over the, the highlight reel, if you will. So I think most of us um, will experience a a significant grief event, usually around puberty or teens. That's when things sort of really start to take an imprint on the brain. And I suppose my first one was in high school and I won't go into the details of it, but something happened to me when I was in year nine. So I was about 15 and basically something that was really important to me that was my truth was denied by someone else. So like a really significant marker in like my life, pretty much all my friends dismissed that I was lying, but I knew that it was the truth. And that's um, kind of kickstarted me into a massive tail spiral of depression because you're like, well, hang on, this is what I'm believing is true. And everyone's telling me that that's not, I felt really betrayed. And I think betrayal and grief are really interlinked. So that Mm. kind of happened. And then of course you have, I had a very, dysfunctional family unit um very very challenging um abusive kind of verbal domestic aspects of that then of course you go into relationships if anyone has ever been cheated on (laughs) that's a pretty big betrayal as well and then of course um there can be grief with like loss of jobs and then um I was an elite athlete and that kind of all came crashing down And then also my parents have both passed away in the last three years. So that's like a little quick hurdling of my grief cycle. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that. So like as Jen mentioned, I wanted to um, discuss this as well, but there are different types of grief. I think a lot of people just um, associate it with death um, when we physically leave our body. But as Jen mentioned, most of us start grieving actually as children. Um, You might move to a different place and grieve, um, you know, the old relationships you had. You might grieve your mother when she goes back to work if you're a small child and you've been, you know, so connected with her. There are all these different types of grief that most people in our structured society that we have, it doesn't really get processed. So most of us are carrying around um, grief. And we don't even know when it is sort of affecting all the other areas of our life. So, yeah, that's really interesting about the way you spoke about it. You didn't even go directly to, you know, um, the people who are close to you who you've lost physically. You actually, you know, spoke about things that happened, you know, much earlier than that, which I find really interesting. Yeah, it's um, 
you know, and grief is such a big topic that it, and there isn't even a lot around like death. It's kind of like, oh, we're only equipped to deal with grief when someone dies. And that's, to me, that's so backwards. Like we really need better things in place and in structure. And in a sense, I feel like we're not even allowed to grieve anything other than death in our society. Like we're becoming better at it now, but it seems there's a lot of literature just around around death. Uh, but like you said, there's just so many other aspects and facets to grief and grief then like trickles out into other areas of your life. And it can be like the core issue for like a lot of mental health and physical health. Yeah, absolutely. This is why I wanted to have this conversation because I don't see it very often, you know, um, in all the other things we're looking at. And like you said, I think it has come out a little bit, but I feel like there's a long way to go um, with it. And I, I'm still learning about it as well, but I do, I, I just have this intuitive feeling that, you know, if most of us are carrying this around and it is quite deep seated, that how powerful would it be if, you know, we can all start to process that in healthy ways and sort of, you know, you will see that ripple effect in your life, which would be really interesting. Um, yeah. So I guess, you know, we would love to know sort of what stood out for you as the most effective or helpful through your own grieving process so far. Well, I'll go through a series of them, but not that long ago, I was at, um, I hadn't visited my mum's um, grave site. Like she was cremated. There's just like a little plaque and I'm not too fixated on going there as a spiritual person. I kind of know I can connect to their energy wherever, but there was someone um, in the same rose garden and they just said to me, it never goes away. And I thought, and I just kind of sat there with that. And then they said, and it's okay that it doesn't go away. Mm. And no one has ever given me permission or said to me that I can feel sad for the rest of my life over that if I want to. Yeah. Right. And I am so baffled and somewhat distressed by people who are close to you who say the most inane things when you're grieving, this attitude yeah. we have to get over something. Well, by getting over it, we're not really dealing with something properly. Like, oh, you know, it's been a year now. It's a year cycle. Things will start to get better. Big believer, time is a huge – time is, of course, your biggest ally. With time, you can move through cycles and healing. But, of course, with grief, you kind of go backwards and you cycle up, down and around, and it kind of pulls you back like an undertow. So having someone give me permission to grieve was huge. No one had ever said that, not even a counsellor. And that, yeah, wow. There's no time limit on it. A lot of people like to give you markers and indicators like, well, you should be here by now. And if you're not here, then we'll think about putting you on antidepressants. So I was like, hey, whoa, hey. Um, and I'm not saying like uh, that antidepressants and those things don't have their place for some people. If, you know, everyone is in a unique situation. I did go through a phase where I was very bad in 2017 but that was in conjunction with my spiritual awakening and it was very dense heavy energy for me so for a period of months I did go on them even though I'm very holistic and I prefer to take that approach it just wasn't I couldn't function and I, I had to go to work and I had to do things so I think finding a good spiritual practice a good meditator a good teacher um, and someone very empathetic who understands it and perhaps grief support groups people who have been through it I wouldn't really recommend the seven stages of grief because whilst they're there, someone um, called Joe from Awakening to the Light Within explained to me that those seven stages were created for people 
who knew that they were dying, not for the people who were left behind. So it was more for palliative care. And if you mm. apply it to palliative care, that makes sense. But it's very easy to be like, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to be following this checklist and I'm not actually going through it. I'm, I'm going backwards. I'm still angry. And, and really, I guess the hardest thing for me was ignoring everyone and feeling my grief at 10,000%, journaling it, writing about it, admitting that sometimes just because someone dies, it doesn't give them a sainthood. Like you have to deconstruct every aspect of someone like you miss them but if you were with someone that was abusive or there's there's any aspect of negativity you still have to address that and uncover that so I think being very practical about your grief and also telling people where you're at but I found it a very private the first round I found it a very private um, experience and I found exercising and being in nature possibly the best things to help me yeah absolutely so would you tie forgiveness into all of that as well I'm just making an assumption here I feel like they would be quite strongly correlated yeah definitely I think another thing we again it's that whole oh you have to be at a certain place and there's this, un, this kind of notion that you know you in order to fully heal, you have to be able to fully forgive. I think you can be doing both things. Like I think you can be surrendering, forgiving, grieving, letting go and still working on all those various aspects at the same time. Yeah. I feel like forgiveness has to come in a very natural state and in a high vibe. It's a very gentle flow feeling and you really can't force that. So if you're someone who meditates and you can get into your heart chakra space, then milk it when you're in that zone and do it from a place of genuine, like genuine, like when you can just really be authentic about the truth of how you're feeling. Because otherwise yeah. I think you're just going through the motions and it doesn't actually help your healing. But forgiveness is a big part of it and you can't rush, can't rush that step. And like everyone's different and there are still some days you'll be able to forgive aspects and other days you're like, I'm just not there yet. And it's okay to be okay with not being there. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you, you know, keep mentioning about everybody is different and unique and there's no time, you know, no time limit when you should be at this stage, this stage, this stage. I mean, I feel like in the example of death, um, obviously when people hear that someone has physically left their body and they will go to, you know, the person who or the people who were closest to them, especially in those first few months, even six to 12 months. And, you know, they offer support and help. And the, there's usually a lot of love coming out of these people, say the person support network. And that might be family, but it might be friends. Um, it might be spiritual healers and groups. And then it's like it just sort of dies off, not because people don't care, but because I guess everybody just goes back to... They get busy with their lives again. <laughs> yes, yeah, they do. And, uh, and I haven't had that much experience, but just from people I know, I was actually one of the support people, but they were just saying, you know, a year or two passes and people sort of are over it. But that person, like yeah. if you're, you know, in particular, <laughs> have a beautiful friend who I was met when I was about 20 and she died um, just before her 30th birthday from cancer and her husband, you know, he, I mean, he's, he's doing much better now, but it was like, everybody's like, it's almost overwhelming. The people he was saying that were there those first few months. And then two years later, it's like, 
he he's still going through it, but it's kind of like nobody else is, and that can bring Definitely. feelings of isolation or what's wrong with me. So yeah, I just find that really interesting as well. Well, I always say to people, and um, I said it this time around with dad, is like. The first three months, you don't even know what you're doing. Like you're staring blankly at walls. You have so much administrative hell to sort out with estates and like that's still going on in our case. I would say from six months on, that's when you need to touch in with the people who are are grieving. And it can be like a divorce. It could be anything because there's initial part of the brain that can't even process what's happened. So it takes some time to kind of get the whole picture for that person mm-hmm. to process and then it's like oh everyone's in my face and and you kind of have to pretend that you know it's all good it's such to me it's such a strange thing like I remember sitting there at my dad's wake going I'm paying for all these people to eat food and drink and to celebrate my dad like it, and I, I was you know you're happy to do it because it's a celebration but it's also a very strange thing like you're still working in a sense like you can't really grieve so it yeah. isn't until that kind of goes away and how everything is structured, like, you know, you have four days bereavement leave if you're lucky, four days, and then you're expected to go back to work and, like, everyone's mm. great and then you just – people don't understand that all of a sudden you'll be fine and you can just cry and people want to know. Everyone wants to attach a reason or an ego or a thought pattern to it. It's like I'm just crying because it's just grief leaving my body. And I know that we're going to talk about grief, but grief in terms of how it manifests in the body, but grief is such a powerhouse of what it can do to your body destructively. Um, And a lot of things that are laying dormant in your body health-wise will be activated by grief because your internal systems, all of them, like hormonal, neurological, central nervous system, they're all going haywire because they're all firing at overdrive. So if there's any underlying health causes that's when that's going to flare up. And then you're trying to look after your health and then your mental health. And then it it really just can snowball. So I would definitely say to people who are going through any, even a pet, like people are really quick to categorize their grief. Like, oh, well, my person died in a car accident. I can get to say goodbye. So that's worse than your grief because you got to say goodbye to your parents or, you know, I lost a child. Like there's just this terrible categorization. And I think that's something we really need to eradicate with grief because everyone feels their pain at a hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. Mm, Yes. I find that so interesting. And we do that with other things too, in other areas. Like, I mean, last time we did a podcast together, we were speaking about, you know, chronic illness and it was like, oh, mine's worse than yours. (laughs) And the other person thinks, oh no, mine's worse than yours. And it's like all these things, but it's, whatever's true for you at that time so if you know if you're at a hundred percent of grief that day like that's totally valid and important and it's important we acknowledge that in ourselves and in other people even when our ego will probably be like oh but mine maybe mine's worse or whatever it is um and I just think also when you were talking about you know the first few months and when you're at your dad's wake and things like can you talk a little bit about this just came up now as I was listening to you also the shock part? Cause I'm just also assuming that those first few months when, um, when it is somebody who, you know, like people sort of say, they sort of, they go a bit earlier than we expect. They're not a grandparent or anything like that. Yeah. You know, what's the, sh- you know, the sh- I'm assuming that people, are, I feel like people are shocked for quite a bit in those first yeah. years and then they start to really accept what happened 
what has happened and try and live their life from that place. But that's when uh, things can be a bit Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So I'll, I'll highlight. So my mum died of lung cancer and, and we had time for that which was fine. And um, sorry, I have no idea why the phone is beeping in my apartment. Sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> real live, life. This is a real live people. podcast. Yep. Yeah. So I don't understand. Okay, sorry. So my mum passed away of lung cancer and we had a little bit of preparation. So you've, you had some logical time to prepare for it. And then... My dad passed away of a heart attack and that was really quick. And I think the circumstances around grief, whether it's death or something else, are really important to to help you work through it. So with dad, the shock of that was six paramedics in our house, <laughs> defibrillators, machines, trying to deal with my brother, making sure he wasn't passing out. We were quite active and hands-on during that whole process. And I wasn't really computing what was happening. You go into robotic mode. So then afterwards you start to replay the event of grief and you can feel like you've got obsessive compulsive disorder because you're like, I am fixated on this because I was then going, oh, and then I remember this in the the hospital and then I saw this and then they did this and I saw this machine because your brain can't actually process all the information that's happening in real time. Like you just can't do that so the shock can take days and it doesn't matter how it comes like even if you're prepared for it you're still never prepared for it and even if it is a huge shock I think like and if it was a car accident or something horrendous like that I can't imagine the shock but you really do need to keep an eye on people and treat the shock as well um, before they can then collapse and grief because they can't our brains in trauma can't process things to that extent. Yeah, absolutely, yep. Yeah. So how, you have touched on this a little so far, but how did you manage your mental state and mindset through, through these grieving processes and these experiences? I found it really hard in 2017 and I was waking up and I was really lucky that I had a network of good practitioners, so Alicia Brachet from Cosmic Gateway, someone who had the the human touch but could also understand from a more spiritual awakening point of view to help me balance the two worlds whilst I was kind of going through ascension because you don't need people telling you what to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a lot of um, mainstream psychiatry, psychology, counselling, they like to just give you tools and I'm not saying that they're not helpful but for me, um, my brain structure is is really sensitive and I need to absorb information in a certain way. And To me, talking about it didn't overly help. I needed to cry and I needed to really just like belt it out. So I did have um, Medicare do allow like 10 free mental health sessions, like grief sessions. So I did do that. I didn't find it entirely useful, but I found myself a meditation group and I paired myself up with teachers who could help me look at things to where I was at on my spiritual journey. Like there's more than life and understanding that, you know, as, as a human race, we've kind of got death around a bit backwards where, you know, like Egyptian times it was all celebrated and it was something to be honoured and 
we've kind mm. of attached all this stigma to it um, before we go into non-physical. And so I really needed to find a mentor that I could talk about those more metaphysical concepts with and explore those things because so many people just, oh, that's it, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It's not helpful. That wasn't in alignment with where I was and what I was exploring and where I was going. Plus the experiences I was having too, which were like let's call them paranormal, like seeing feathers appear in the house when there was no way a bird could have been in there or someone sitting on my bed. So depending on what the experience – and that, that was quite confronting too. So you've just gone through a loss of a parent and I was having all these weird experiences thinking I'm losing my mind, like I'm actually going crazy. Mm. And, and you have to be so discerning with who you talk to because people, yeah. even people you think won't judge you. <laughs> I hate to say it, but they will. So I would just really find a safe space. I journaled an awful lot. I listened to a lot of music and that's how my light language and my toning started to come out because I couldn't really talk to other people. I started talking to myself a little bit and then the emotion would come out in my notes and I'm not a singer and tones and then over you know another period of like grief cycle, it kind of pushed up to the surface and I was able to to have that so I would also say the flip side of great grief is is often a lot of light spiritual work if that's your path yeah yeah absolutely um thank you for sharing that I find that so amazing and yeah just you know because we're all different and we're all unique and and I just want to also clarify just for anyone listening I mean so if you're not on the spiritual journey um there's a maybe a generalized spiritual belief around death that is quite different to maybe what we were taught. And that is basically that, you know, we are spiritual beings and we come into this physical body for a short time. And we know that before we decide to manifest in this physical body on this planet. And so when we leave it, we've just gone back to our, our truth, uh, back to our spiritual nature, back to who we are. So, you know, it's a very and I don't know, but some people may have been taught that. I was never taught that. Um, most children and adults I speak to weren't taught that. But can you see the difference between, you know, um, just grief as this horrible, bad, dark thing um, that happens and it's always, you know, a, apparently horrific or a terrible situation sort of thing. But then at the same time, <laughs> we're expected to just sort of, like you said, four days four days off work. I find that ridiculous, but, um, you know, people aren't even able to process it. And then we think like Jen was explaining when she just cried, it was just the grief leaving her body, but everybody wants like this reason and this story and this, and, you know, judgment and comparison and all these other stuff comes in. And it's like, well, actually what's happened was sort of from a spiritual perspective, all planned out. It was all meant to sort of go this way. And, and, you know, what someone is experiencing if they are crying or having what we label as a meltdown is often just some sort of trauma, even if it's not grief, some sort of trauma leaving the body and it wants to get out of there to free you. It wants you to be freer. Um, and I just feel like, you know, this structure that we've grown up in is just so off in certain areas like this Um like this area that we're talking about today. So I just think it's important to like even just open yourself up if you're not there yet to really believe that. I know it can be confronting and full on, but just open up, 
possibly to, you know, other ways of looking at things, different perspectives, um, other cultures, like Jen was saying, death was celebrated and they understood how emotions worked in our physical body and how they needed to be released. But we, just because we haven't done that doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean it's weird. It doesn't mean it's, you know, only for that person over there. Like there's some real truth in these other cultures and these other um, perspectives and belief systems if you're ready and open to sort of listening or reading about it and seeing how it feels for you. Yeah, it's so true. And grief is just so multifaceted. It's so multifaceted. So if you just took like, okay, so both my parents have passed away and you you kind of, you strip that down. So I have to grieve them who they were. I have to grieve how they were in their relationship together. I have to grieve how they were with me individually, the good and the bad. And that's really challenging. And then I had to grieve, you know, people telling you stories that you don't even know that side of your parents. So you've got that. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm not married and don't have kids. Then you have to grieve that. It's There's just so many layers. So And, you, and mm. when you start piling that up, something I also did that was really useful was I started to write down all the things that people said that really irked me and really made yep. my body cringe, like those old adage sayings of like, you'll be right, get your shit together, put your big girl pants on, come on, it's been a week now. Um, come on, brush your hair, have a shower. It's like I wrote all those things down and then next to them I just wrote down like huge pages of why it was okay not to brush my hair because yeah. in the big grand scheme of things, what does that matter? I'm just grateful I've yeah. got hair. Like I went through this whole bringing it right back down to basics and it it, it really – I'd love people to talk more about it at school as well, like, you know, in different institutions because grief is just so complicated. Grief can be loss of a job, especially like with COVID. There's a lot of people going through grief and I think people are really ill-equipped to deal with it emotionally because of this inability to sit in hard emotions. Yes, yes, absolutely. And something I've felt so passionate about since becoming a parent is I started to learn this beforehand, but it's just become so much stronger. I'm like, why, why isn't this, why aren't we teaching our kids this? Because we can teach them at home, but if they go to school, they spend most of their time at school. Um, and if it becomes like, uh, in inverted commas, normal part of our society, our structure, our education system, you know, whatever it is, our kids, when they're our age and no matter what they go through, if they've got those tools, like that's, our key foundation to mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. And to me, it's a no-brainer to just get it in there. Like, you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, exactly. And, yeah. and a huge flip side of grief is empathy. Like if you yeah. don't have empathy and you don't have that emotional quotient to deal with emotional intelligence within and around other people, how can our kids, like how can we teach them to be equipped to deal with these things when it does happen because then the first time we really have to deal with it is the death of a parent and then we realize we've been grieving our whole lives over so many other things and then it snowballs because we haven't allowed ourselves to grieve over that job or that partner or that failed you know relationship and then all of a sudden you come down in this screaming heap because it all accumulates into one central point of physical death yes absolutely um Yep, totally agree. I think that's really important to highlight. And, and and like with our kids and things, it's almost like sometimes 
we're not teaching them these things, but when they're 30 years old and, you know, something happens and then they're, you know, they've never been taught to deal with it. So they're not dealing with it, but then we'll turn around and say, oh, you know, why aren't you at work right now? Or like you were saying, like, why haven't you brushed your hair today? And it's like, well, when you're a child, nobody taught you how to deal with this, right? So even when you're trying to process it as an adult, you've got your intellect fully developed and all that, um, you know, you're like, well, if nobody's taught me to speak English, I probably wouldn't be speaking English. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's a really important area to look at just as a whole for everybody and and then I think about how like I I look at my parents and how they handled their parents dying I wasn't even allowed to go to my grandparents funeral because they thought it would upset me too much because I was quite young okay yeah so then you have to look at how your parents are taught how like behaviorally and environmentally Mm. how they're taught to deal with grief and my parents never ever spoke to me about either of their parents dying. Yeah, okay. I don't even, the only information I have about that is from like my cousins who saw a bit of them at the funeral, but, and they never spoke about it afterwards. My mum never spoke about the pain of losing, like just, they were so stoic. I never, ever saw it. And it was such a strange thing for me to see my dad crying when my mum died just because it was so surreal because yes, I just never saw him cry. Yes. But he's a okay. hi- he was a highly emotional person. Yeah, right. Okay. So you've got to do all this like weird reconciliation of generations and, and that's what it's really important that you're saying that about your kids because and it's through no fault of anyone. It's just how it was. You know, it is what it is. But mm. hopefully there can be a shift where we can be a little bit more accommodating and it, it can be something that that we can talk about, you know, that there shouldn't be the shame and the stigma attached around it. And I guess their generation probably felt that more than what we do. Yeah. And I think, you know, these other generations, like our parents, grandparents and beyond, you know, what if we, we don't know, we weren't in their time. So at the time they sort of think they're doing the right thing, just like right now, like I have a three-year-old and I am doing as much as I can to, you know, nourish him not just with food, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and parent consciously. But by the time he has children, <laughs> there's going to be all these other Yeah, exactly. Who discoveries. knows? Yeah. I, I think but, that's, that's that compassion aspect too, like people are doing their best they can with the information they have at the time. Mm, absolutely. And I think that's important to remember as well, especially um, around things like grief because, yeah, I just always think that I think, well, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing as much as I can, but I have no idea what's going to be coming out scientifically or educationally in the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And it could be the total opposite to what I'm doing. I have no idea. But yeah, you're just using the resources that you've got at the time. And also just tuning back into that intuition and that heart center um, when it comes to, you know, these emotions or parenting or supporting people who are grieving or supporting yourself. Um through the process yeah. and I would say like there's a lot of I'll call them secret single <laughs> I'm single but I call them like my secret behaviors that I did when my parents grieved and um you often sort of see it in like movies and sort of that romanticized aspect of it but I listen to my parents voicemails over and over and over oh, again dear. yeah and, until yeah until I could let go and I slept yep. with their clothes for a period of time 
Yeah. And, and people don't really talk about that because there's that, oh, people are going to judge me. I wore my dad's tracksuit pants around for ages. Yeah. It's, I it's, love that. Mm, it's a physical, yeah, it was like a slow physical desensitization of it. So that's what I mean. Like if you, if your mum made cookies with you every day and you want to eat cookies for six months because that's how you're coping, you really have to allow yourself to go through those processes. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you highlight as the greatest challenges on your grief journey? I mean, you have mentioned a little, but if you had to pick like four or five of them. Um, not knowing who to ask for help and then, mm. and then feeling afraid of people's responses. So you'd, you'd pluck up the courage to be like, actually, I need someone to help me with X, Y, Z. And then you'd do it and the response wouldn't be what I was hoping for. So it was like a yep. rejection tied up with the grief and that was hard to deal with. Yeah, I bet, because you probably already feel, like, isolated and alone, right? Yeah. And, and abandoned, I, in and your case, both yeah, your parents. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you're like, I'm actually alone, like alone, alone. Um, I'm a really yep. independent person anyway, but there's a whole other level of aloneness when your parents who bring you into this world, you know, are no longer here. And I had to become my own best friend again. I had to trust myself and rely on myself a lot more because people were letting me down. Um, And I know that sounds really sad and sorrowful and I had some amazing friends, don't get me wrong, there's been some amazing support people, but there are people who will promise you and will not deliver and when you're grieving that can feel like a double blow and so that really knocked me sideways that the people who I thought would be there for me weren't. Yeah. And and my advice to the flip side of that is don't offer something unless you can give it or you genuinely have the capacity to to be genuine with your offer because it's it's really heartbreaking when someone's going through that and they pluck up the courage to do it and then it's kind of a, met with a rebuttal. So that was really hard for me. And then being discerning with who I could and couldn't have those conversations with. Yeah, right. And my other challenge was work, like work was really hard, um, concentrating, trying to deal with health on top of that, not sleeping properly. And, you, you know, it takes some, as anyone who's been on a chronic illness, healing, recovery or any type of health you know, even a detox, you know, the commitment to that, it, it takes a lot of prep. So if you're trying to do that on top of um, this huge blanket of grief, it's just exhausting. So that I found that kind of hard to look after myself was quite hard at times, like to get up, to actually eat properly, to stick, yep. to, stick to my neurological eating plan rather than just be like, oh, I'm just going to eat chips and binge because I don't care about life anymore. <laughs> like, woe is yeah. me. So there, yeah. I mean, and that this is the real raw facts of it. And then just yeah. thinking that I would never stop crying. <laughs> I was like, yeah, right. And it hasn't even been a year cycle with Dad. And there are some days where it pulls you back under. It's so unexpected and they call it the wave. It is like a tidal wave. It just comes out of nowhere. You yeah, can be okay. fine and it just completely obliterates you. And now I just let those really intense moments happen and 
there's like a weird euphoric ecstasy when it shifts out of your body. Like the pain is so deep and so intense. But then when it shifts, there's a huge elation and a lightness on the other side once you've let that come out of your body, um, which has been something really interesting to observe, that the more I go into that pain, the lighter I feel on the other side of it. Um, yeah, and, I, yeah. And so, and, and I've been banging on about that for weeks now, that people are so distracted and run from, run from pain, but pain and emotions can be such important teachers to us. You know, like it's... If you continually are having painful experiences, something is trying to get your attention to be like, hey, look, look at this. Like, you know, hug, hug it, hug yourself and be like, I'm sad and I'm going through a lot and I'm going to get through this, but I'm going to honour where I'm at today and I'm going to allow it. Because, you know, sometimes there are times when you're like, oh, God, I've got to go to work and you have to stop crying and you just you have to get on with it. And our human body... And brain is not meant to be like that in a natural state. I'm not sure if any of you listen to Dr. Joe Dispenza, but we're not yeah. supposed to be in these states where we suppress our emotions or if we're in flight or flight, you know, we can't act on them. And it's the same with grief. Yeah. Like you're constantly trying to conceal or hide your grief and that, that again, causes more dis-ease within the body. So they're probably, yeah. and I know that sounds really like, oh, bleak, but that's, that's the reality of my grief that I experienced. Yeah, right. Thank you for being honest. And I absolutely agree. And I've been reading more about that lately, you know, going into the emotion and sitting with it. And I have practiced somewhat, but it, it's difficult. Yeah, it's um, challenging. Yes, mm, yesterday, something triggered me. And I had my son and I was like, you know, they, like my focus and attention was with him. And I was like, all right, when he's in the bath, I'm going to sit on the couch because usually if he's happy, I'll either get dinner ready or sit on my phone and, make, and you know, I can work and stuff on my phone. And I was like, I had to be so firm with myself. It was really challenging. And I was like, I'm sitting with this now like because what I've been reading about, I mean, ages ago, but I'm reading about it again to remind myself. So I got triggered yesterday and it wasn't my partner, but it was something he was talking about that brought up an old trauma. So I felt like it was something that happened. It was probably like six months ago now, you know, within sort of the family. And then what she, what I've been reading about is that it's just the unhealed trauma from probably somewhere in the first eight years of your life. So, you know, it was triggering feelings of like wrongness, unworthiness. Um, I had like this paralyzing anxiety where I would just mm. sort of, when he started talking about it, I would freeze. And I, it was almost like I couldn't even talk or function. And so all of that was just reminding me, hey, these traumas, these wounds, whatever you want to call them, are just blockages in your system from yeah. whatever happened when you were five, six, probably the first eight years of life. And we're feeling beings then. We don't have a rationale. We don't have an intellect. So if you think about now, if, you know, something happens to me, my partner comes home and he's like angry and, you know, then it triggers me. My rationale will make up a rational story about that. Oh, he had a bad day at work. Oh, this happened, this happened. Oh, you know, when you're in a long-term relationship and you have children, you end up taking it or whatever. Like it goes into this whole rationale. So can you imagine as a child, which we all were, we didn't have that rationale. You're just feeling it. So you get yep. a feeling of wrongness, um, not purposely, but just from teachers, parents, family members, other kids, and all you feel is wrongness. You have no rationale. Like, it's quite powerful. So, yeah, Definitely. just sitting with it yesterday and also just bringing that awareness in. Like you were saying, just give yourself a hug. I have a mantra 
And um, even in the car, I had my son there, but I was just trying to sit with it and tell myself, tell the feeling, the trauma, the wound that wanted to be healed. Like, I'm here with you. I care for you. I love you. I'm here with you. I care for you. I love you. Yeah, that's you. beautiful. Going, that's, that would hmm. be, that's ideal for people going through grief. And, and sometimes, like, I just had to look at myself in the mirror and be like, you're going to be okay. You, yeah. you've, you, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. Maybe not right now, but you, you'll be okay. Yeah, right. Because, and, yeah, I was actually just thinking um, as you were speaking before, like just for anyone who's listening who's maybe like, oh, realising right now, oh, I haven't grieved my last partner, my last job, you know, so-and-so passed away and, you know, I only took a week off work. Like do you have any pointers of where they can start? Like if they're hearing this and just having that realisation that they are carrying grief? Yeah, I think a really good place to start. There's loads of grief meditations on uh, YouTube. Okay. And I think a guided meditation is a good place to start because it can seem so overwhelming. So if you just type in any sort of like grief guided meditation, that that is a good place to start. Sometimes typing or just writing too and you'll be surprised at like all the gunk that flows out from that. Or... I like to listen to a lot of music because music is so cathartic. Uh, anything that you can do to get energy out of the body, so like singing, exercising. I found yoga incredibly helpful, particularly yin yoga, because for those of us who can't rationalise emotionally, logically all the time, our body has its own brain and its own memory and emotions, especially grief sit in your hips. So I did a lot of yoga because sometimes talking just oh, you just don't have the energy to do it. Who do you talk to? You sound crazy talking to yourself all the time and you can exhaust yourself energetically doing it. So, you know, yin yoga is, is where you hold the poses for a lot longer and they're like two to three up to five minutes. And even just doing a couple of those poses each day would really help me. But I I would try and find someone you can talk to about it, that you can really trust and, and just have an open conversation with them like, this is where I'm at. Is this something you think you're able to assist me with? I would re- highly recommend the lady who I'm working with. She's from England. Her name is Jo. And she does like quantum healing, but she is studying psychiatry, sorry, psychology. She does a lot of neuroscience work, obviously because of the quantum healing aspect. And those people are really good balance of science and spirituality and she she was amazing and her practice is called awakening to the light within and when you find someone who gets your brain it's looping its mechanisms then you can start working out your patterns and be like oh I'm doing this again and you can try and work out tools and and ways to assist you tailored to your thinking because if you read a grief book yes some of it's applicable but there's a difference between reading and obtaining information and actually inherently believing and doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's so important. Thank you for sharing that. And we'll put, you know, the links and resources in at the end as well. Um, and just when you are finding people, support people, whether it's a professional that you're paying or a friend or a family member or some people reach out to strangers, um, yeah. Yeah. just find what suits you. I mean, I just it was just coming up as you were speaking. I just know with me if I'm going through something, I often go to my partner. He feels very safe. He's very grounded. 
But a lot of the time, he honestly doesn't really do anything. He'll listen and he'll usually validate how I'm feeling, which that's really important. Just be aware of, um, again, it's just a lot of us have been taught, and I was taught this way, so I used to do this, um, but we invalidate other people's emotions and we don't realise, but that's our coping mechanism. Yeah. So we invalidate our, our own emotions and then someone comes to us and we're like, you know, oh, you know, you'll be okay, you'll be right, you're strong and blah, 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 which is which people yeah. feel like can help, but I know with me and, no. and also the more you research it and you realise what's happening, like I was talking about before, you know, the wounds are still in there. And if you don't heal them, if you've got a wound on your arm and you just leave it and it's getting dust and dirt and pollution in there and it's never being cleaned, it's just being totally ignored, it's going to keep, you know, aching or um, giving you sensations to let you know that it's still there and it needs to be washed and it needs to be cleaned and it might yep. need a cover on it for a week, you know? But our emotions are the same. Exactly. So, I mean, I find, yes, just if you've got someone who can literally hold the space, like he just listens and he validates my emotions, but he never tries to fix it. It's like he knows I have to go through this and I don't know how he knew how to do that, but I am very, very grateful and And lucky that he knows how to do that. So just be aware of these things. Yeah, and, and, you know, and then give thanks in your own private time. You know, give gratitude and thanks to these people because most people just want to be heard heard and seen you can't see grief you can't see mental health unless until the point where it's erupting out over you and that's obviously at at the point where it's gone too far then you can see the physical crying but you know so many people had no idea and someone said something to me about my instagram and my facebook the other day about how i was traveling and living the life and i was like yes but they're the postcards of your life and yes there were good moments in between there but there's a huge amount of crying and grieving that's going on behind the scenes so you know don't be fooled also by people's social media but yeah and I think a trap a lot of people and I I don't like to stereotype but in my personal experience I would say it's more the masculine energies or men who want to fix it which is a lovely endearing trait but you don't when I was grieving I I didn't want it to be fixed sometimes the most comforting thing which I didn't mention before is I just wanted someone to sit next to me I I just wanted comfort physical space comfort um and pets are a really really beautiful um addition to that too because they're unconditional love and support and they're just there so I had to like hop around hmm. and find some dogs (laughs) people yeah (laughs) absolutely and if you know if you live by yourself or you're not with family members or friends or you don't have a partner I mean and you have a pet Talk to your pet, like talk it out loud. It's yeah, not totally. crazy. It's very therapeutic. Um, well, talk and to, I, I, yeah, talk to whoever's passed yeah. away too. Like no one has to know what you do in your own private time. I talk to my parents all the time in my head and I don't care if anyone doesn't believe in that. It's my relationship with that and it's the same with your pet. Like if that's anything that brings you a vibration that is happier and higher than d- d- despair than I, and it's not harming anybody or yourself, then I'm all for it. We shouldn't judge people yeah. for whatever is working for them. As long as, you know, there is an element of they're safe, they're not in harm, they're not harming yeah. themselves or other people. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So how can you just let listeners know sort of where you're at now and what you're sort of feeling around your life and your future path? Yeah, sure. So do you mean specifically with grief, like where I'm at in the grief cycle? So it's coming up to a year in September um, of my dad passing away. 
And so it's natural when you're coming up to that year mark to start replaying this time last year. So like this time last year, dad was a bit sick and he thought he was getting all these tests and, you know, then he got better. So you kind of go through this movie replay. So it's natural to go through a review in that first year cycle and you feel like you're making no progress, but you're going back to bring attention to perhaps emotions that you hadn't quite touched on yet or you haven't quite tied up. So I'd say I'm going through a bit of a, you know, thanks to the eclipse too, that likes to bring bring things up as well. So I'm kind of going through that. And an additional stress on top of that is um, dealing with estates and sorting out wills and houses. So that's an additional complication. So I feel like I haven't really been able to grieve to the extent I want to because there's still this administrative life stuff that we have to tie up for him and for some families that's really easy ours is really complicated and I won't go into the the details of that but everyone's family dynamics are different so I think oh I just want that aspect done so then I can I have to compartmentalize things so I guess that's how I'm coping Mm -hmm. with things at the moment um Yeah. yeah and like little little things like birthdays will come up or like state of origin was meant to happen. Obviously it hasn't and we're Queenslanders and our family was like very involved in starting the Queensland state of origin team. So things like that, like the firsts of anything. So they're all sort of hanging around in the background. And like I saw a Queensland jersey the other day and sometimes you just burst into tears. So that's where <laughs> that's where I'm at. Yeah. But I'm also yeah. working um, with Joe, who I mentioned before, and, you know, you just take each each session as it comes, each emotion as it comes, and the gap between those huge breakdowns is getting further and further away, which is nice because it gives you some respite and some, and some relief. Yeah, uh, and even I, the fact that you're on here talking about it like this, I find that incredible, incredibly courageous and just shows that you, you haven't suppressed that grief, you have done work on it because... I'm guessing there are a lot of people who wouldn't be able to speak like this and share this experience to help others. So thank you so much for doing that. You're welcome. I think it's really important because I've had a couple of friends in my life who just won't talk about it. And Mm. you have to respect that, of course. But I do wonder what that does down the track in terms of their physiological, mental, spiritual health. Um, Yeah. And then, of course, you see them acting out. They'd be drinking or taking drugs and self-destructing. And I think, I definitely think in the first six months, I'm like, all bets are off. You kind of need to do what you need to do to get through. But, again, when it comes to that point of impacting the individual's life, that's when I think there needs to be some type of um, interference, I suppose, or yeah, yeah. intervention with it. So it. Yeah. it yeah, and look, and then it's weird because I'm still processing dad and then you've got mum in the background too and then and then I don't have a job at the moment because of COVID. And it, it, there are days where it can just snowball. So I, I try to be really mindful and just be like, what is it that I'm actually really feeling today? Because when you're in grief yeah. or any type of depression, and Eckhart Tolle talks about this all the time, it's so easy to attach whatever the most pressing depressing stressful situation your head is you'll just transfer that immediately like oh, I must be feeling this because this person broke up with me or my partner and I are having a fight and 
it might not be that at all. It might be like a huge accumulation of just stuff, just life stuff. So I try not to attach anything to it and I try to imagine it being like the ocean, just watching the waves kind of come. Some are bigger, just let it pass and then, you know, then there's a little bit of a lull and then you just kind of keep riding them out. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And I think an important point in a lot of things we've touched on today is for people who don't know, you know, our subconscious is 95% of our, you know, what we're running off, how we're living, our physiology and everything. And the 5% of our conscious mind that is actively focusing on, you know, writing something or cooking a meal, you know, the difference between those two, because our subconscious, it remembers everything. So if at the moment you're like, oh, this is really heavy, I'm going through something heavy and you are going and you're drinking or you're distracting, that's fine. But just remember, your subconscious remembers everything. So like it's in there, it's basically in there, um, whatever the experience was and the trauma and the feelings around it. So if it doesn't get processed, it doesn't really go anywhere, unfortunately. <laughs> So even if we're sort of keeping really busy and we're like, oh, and you, you kind of think that it's, it's better or it's gone, but if you, if you really haven't dealt with it, um, it's still going to be there. So I just want to um, acknowledge that too because even I have mem- you know, memories that I can't remember consciously, we all do, but my subconscious and all of our subconscious minds remember it. Yes. Um, so a lot of us don't remember being a baby, but our subconscious remembers being a baby. And as I mentioned before, feeling, it's like all feeling. So as a baby, you basically remember the feeling. So just remember that it's all sort of stored in there and it's stored in there for your higher good. It's stored in there to keep you safe and protected. So it can, you know, this is why we know what to do if we, you know, are walking down a dark alley by ourselves as a woman or even as a man. And, you know, there is somebody (laughs) really large and sort of dodgy, not so far behind we sort of know to sort of maybe walk out onto the street well lit street where there's lots of people or whatever like that's what it's there for so um just sort of remembering that and knowing that so yes we all distract in certain ways but just knowing that it will keep coming up and and it it is safe it is safe to sort of acknowledge it in your own time and then sit with it as much as you can in a healthy and respectful way yeah, and oh, the other thing I forgot to, to say is too, like podcasts really helped me too. Didn't matter what oh, the yeah. topic was, but when the the mind was sort of racing, and sometimes those thoughts are just like on a you know the the mouse wheel going around and around, and you can't stop the looping. Mm. Something that comes in and interact uh, interrupts that thought process uh, is yes, it's a distraction, of course. But I try to make it a useful distraction, so like a podcast or a meditation. Um, and then, you know, TV shows, they have their place for zoning out. and uh, Yeah, a and good just, rom-com. Yeah, totally. Just, just shifting that. I think if you sort of are on a bit of a spiritual journey, you can be really hard on yourself like, oh, but I should be doing this and I should be making a better use of my time. It's all those judging words like should that we do to yeah. ourselves. but. It's, it really is being gentle with yourself and, and not just for a short period of time, for an extended period of time. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, everybody could benefit from that. And I can also relate even, you know, last time we spoke about chronic illness together, but a lot of those things, podcasts, watching, you know, just watching a rom-com or a comedy, something light. I don't usually watch anything too heavy, but if that, if you feel like it does help you. Well, sometimes um, it's a good purge. Like sometimes if you're like, yeah. struggling to really um, get into those depths, 
like yeah, like that... a good cry, a yeah, sad, a good sad crying movie. It's just, and if you're, you know, by yourself, or even if you're with someone, like you, because I do, don't really get to watch a movie unless I'm usually by myself. Um, so yeah, it's a great opportunity for me to just cry like as ugly and as loudly yep. as I want because my son and my partner are out, you know, there's no one around basically. And um, actually, um, yeah, I'll probably try and do that soon. Yeah, <laughs> I think rip. I'm due. Yep. Just let and it rip and you will feel better after. Like it's just this lightness that definitely. comes over you. And I would mm. say with grief, something that I did want to um, touch on really quickly that is important that grief can just be, oh, you can be like right in it. Like when you're right in it and there's like, you're full of despair and think, what's the point of living why am I here? Like you can go through that, that, and that's a really dark place to go. And I would really stress that that's when you need to pick up the phone. Yes, it will pass, but if you don't know yourself well enough and you're, you're hovering around in that really painful despair, you know, suicidal kind of thoughts, you know, there are lifelines to call. There, yeah. You know, there are institutes. So really, if you, and if you can't call anyone, I would highly recommend picking up the phone just because, again, it's that interruption of that thought process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, just anyone I sort of talk to or work with, I'm always like reach out. Like I always make a point of telling people to reach out, whether it's yeah. someone with a health and, issue or whatever, because that was a huge blockage for me. I was just yeah. so petrified of what they're going to think of me or if it would change the relationship or even – like you said, there are these hotlines and I remember being petrified to even call them and they're strangers. Like, and yeah. I was, they weren't looking at me or anything and I was too scared. And I, yeah, I just, and I wish as a collective too, we just need to remind each other, Hey, I'm here. Hey, reach out. Hey, if you want to yeah. text, it's a text. If you want to call, it's a call, whatever works for you. But and, hey, we're here. And, yeah. and listen to people like, you know, like to Kristen and I, like, I mean it. Like if you're calling me at three o'clock in the morning, sure. I might not answer straight away, but I will pick up the phone eventually. Like, and and then as hard it is as it can be, you'll start to know the people who are your backbone and your support network and you have to have them. And unfortunately that number is usually a lot less than what we think it is, but it doesn't matter. You just need one or two really good people that you know that you can call and be like, I am not in a good state or, you know, and once you've got them, that's all you really need. Mm, it's quality over quantity when it comes to definitely and and look let's be honest everyone's got their own stuff and I get it some people just some people just can't handle grief yeah which which troubles me because then I I would be like well what are you going to be like when your parents pass away like that was my judgment of them but some people people will just run away from you (laughs) yeah but I would this is just my um again judgment and assumption possibly but from what I've learned They've probably got suppressed grief in them and they're just Mm. not ready to look at it. So then they run because it's too painful painful. triggering their own. Yeah. Okay. So really quickly, um, just any resources or words of advice for our listeners? Well, I really, really like a podcast. I've said it before by Sharman Jurek. He talks about um, just all different topics about health and wellness and, and it's, it's more about personal accountability and loving yourself. So I really appreciate that. I enjoy Cosmic Gateway, Alicia Brache for energy updates and energy alignment. So I have an energy alignment session with her for my own personal, you know, energy is changing so frequently. Um, I said Joe from Awakening to the Light Within. And the great thing now is we can have global resources with Zoom. We don't have to have counsellors that are necessarily um, 
around local community groups have good grief support groups. So like your local area will probably have it and that's easy to find like at an RSL or a community board and your local doctors and GPs. Like I don't discount or discredit them. They are still a wealth of resources and you just have to find what works for you. But for me, I was on a different path um, spiritually. So I needed people who were a little bit more in alignment with that. And then I would also say medical medium, just for keeping your mind, body and your health kind of under control. And he talks about a lot of things that support the systems that grief really gets assaulted by. So like the adrenals and the thyroid and the neurological system, the central nervous system. So sort of supporting your body in every aspect if you can. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Well, wow, thank you. I mean, this is such a big topic, like you said, multifaceted, all the different layers and it's, it's interesting and I'm glad we were able to have this conversation and hopefully it can, you know, just be a resource for people no matter where you're at. And if it's not grief, it might be a different um, emotion. But again, one of those ones that is sort of um, shunned away at or frowned upon in our generalised society. So just know that um, it's all okay, whatever it is, wherever you're at. And Jen, so Jen, business is called infused with light and her instagram is it's just infused with light isn't it jen yeah 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 and that's my facebook page as well so i yeah i do healings and 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 all sorts of wonderful weird and wacky things and put a lot of free free content up there as well so yeah so if you have any questions that weren't answered or if you're confused please reach out you're welcome to message jen or me through the podcast uh, website or through my Instagram or Jen's Instagram and mine um, is at the worthy warrior with underscores in between each word and yeah we're here to help and support if anyone needs it and thank you so much for listening and thank you Jen for sharing so openly and authentically um, I really honor you for that I feel like it's a real um, really amazing yeah. place you've actually gotten yourself to even though I know you probably don't feel like it some days no but uh, and thank you so much for creating this podcast uh Kristen's podcast is an amazing wealth of resources she's an amazing human uh who has been a great support to me as well so I highly recommend everyone make sure you you know keep following I can't wait to see what other podcasts you do as well so yeah yep I'm excited I've got so many ideas that's awesome thank you so much for having me No problem. All right. Take care, lovely. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.